You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? Welcome to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 125. Uh, my name is Marvin Yue and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have formerly self-proclaimed professional Asian American Jess Yu. Hello. Hey Jess, how's it going? I am doing good. <laughs> I've been doing house stuff. Uh been trying to finding furniture is really hard. <laughs> I'm still like trying to furnish my place like a month after moving in, but slowly and surely it's coming together. What are you um, missing? I think the caveat there is finding furniture as an adult is hard. Yeah, you know, it's like every time you learn like what things cost as an adult, you're like, I, you know, like number one, IKEA has severely impacted my understanding mm-hmm. of how much things mm-hmm. should cost. Um, and then, but at the same time, it has also like, ikea you know gets a bad rap but it's actually much better quality than a lot of things you can buy online um and not having a big car to lug things around <laughs> has also it's like really hard uh-huh. so like ikea flat pack lifesaver um i mean also understanding yeah. how to um interior design and not look like a you're still in college unfurnished like, male yeah. living space yes that that's also very difficult like no it looks nice it's just very hard to get everything you know supply chains and probably another boat is stuck somewhere mm. in some body of water but uh, things have been back ordered everything i order for delivery because again i have said small car it arrives damaged oh, um yeah and so yeah, I don't know if Marvin, you and Christine plan to you know do a little renovating once you officially move in. Well, by the time you hear this podcast, I will have been married to my fiance. Woo! Marvin's um, getting <laughs> married in the morning. <laughs> and so yeah, we have been looking to refurnish our new place. Um, mainly, we want we <laughs> mainly um, we we want a king bed. We want we want to live the king bed life. Yeah, you're a tall boy, Marvin. I am a tall boy. <laughs> Are you a are you a space bed hogger? I will not. He doesn't know. No, I will, I will neither <laughs> confirm, uh, nor, confirm deny. nor deny that. Do you I, plead the fifth? I do plead the fifth. So you say you want to be a king bed uh, owner, but what it's are you? Fine, because she's in also right a edge sleeper. So that oh my god, that's essentially did, you. Did, did the she bed say to that, me, or right? did you just assume that? <laughs> Yeah, um, and and you don't, you guys don't even have like animals yet, because animals also take up mm-hmm. a lot of space. They find a way. So you're you're so you'll technically be married by the time they hear this. Are you going to some sort of honeymoon sort of thing? I mean, we're getting married in Santa Barbara, so we're just gonna mm-hmm. stay up there for the weekend. So right oh, now, cool. I am probably. I mean, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, I'm probably at my wedding dinner at the moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just a pretty chill thing. We're doing a civil ceremony, nothing big. We're not having a big extravagant castle wedding like uh, Jess is planning. I mean, <laughs> who knows if I'll have a big castle wedding, man? Italy, come on, you don't need to get we we did hire we just hired an Italian wedding planner, so hopefully Ooh. it's wow. on the up. Yeah. We should again I, I again let me pitch again, Marvin, the wedding podcast, the wedding planning podcast, <laughs> you and me. 
um, because you're the only other friend of all my friends who is very, um, you know, kind of hyped about this. <laughs> a lot of my other engaged friends are like not happy to plan a wedding. I mean, you know, we kind of we, we, we kind of succeeded by not trying. Right. <laughs> We're just doing the most basic thing possible. And the, the, the downside is having to explain to friends and family what we're doing and you know um i think it's very practical yeah you know <laughs> and understandable and we're, it's, it's a new age this is how people are doing it and it's also your choice you know? it's your choice <laughs> this is also how i know we built different because i like how you're just like you know i'm concerned about like you know offending friends and family i'm like no i want them to know i want them to see the pictures of this small beautiful intimate <laughs> destination wedding i'm planning and feel the biggest amount of FOMO they have ever felt in their life. I was like, maybe you should have been nicer to me. Maybe you should have been nicer to me. Well, I mean, the pettiness of a gesture has... That's a, that's a very pretty, important yeah. part of the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> See, as a wedding guest, I'm very happy for anyone who invites me to their elaborate wedding. So, <laughs> so I support it. I will uh, help whatever FOMO that I can engender by posts or using your yes. hashtag. I assume yes, you're having please. a hashtag. I'm, of course uh, there's a hashtag. <laughs> there's a whole, gonna be a whole website. I'm, I'm so <laughs> extra that I was like, I hate, I absolutely hate every single wedding website that exists. So I've decided I'm merely going to build my own from scratch using Squarespace. And I, I will buy it. a private domain. I love it. I love it. This podcast is not sponsored by Squarespace, unfortunately. No, you can you can beep that out. Um, you know, or to make not them pay. Or can they sponsor my wedding by yes. um, you know, giving me a free year subscription? I just need a year. Maybe Give if we say stuff. Squarespace enough times, their SEO algorithm Squarespace, will pick us Squarespace, up. Squarespace, Squarespace. Oh, it's like Beetlejuice. It's like <laughs> advertising Beetlejuice. Yeah, don't you have like a podcast connect? I feel like every single podcast is um, being. Either we need we need Squarespace and we need a mattress company to sponsor us. Mm. Oh yeah, that would, would be. Would they like could... to spend? Would thou like to sponsor thy marital bed? That would have been yes, nice just... for my king's king bed quest, but we already bought yeah. a mattress. Maybe you can get like an extra uh, top topper or something. Maybe <laughs> that is to say. Also joining us, the most professional culture editor, Hongwen. Hey, hey, I was trying to think of what sort of like sponsorship I wanted because I don't need any of this marriage stuff. But mm. snack sponsorship would be great. If you can that those, would like, be Asian snack and, boxes or well, I yeah. heard if you like um, like send wedding invites to certain brands, sometimes they just send you. things. Yeah. And try I it. May do that. Just try it. I mean, as former event planners, this is true. Like if you see something yeah. cool that you're like, hey, how about we um. You, how about we use your new like microphone box for our conference and then we could just have it on all our pictures? Yes, there you go. That was uh, cool. Yeah, as someone who became a food blogger out of nothing and then also just became a journalist, uh, you get a lot of free stuff pretty easily, I found. So you don't have to usually try too hard. That's uh, true. You get a lot of swag and a lot of really random swag too. Dude, it's really good, Han. Like uh, your your downstream swag. You yes. get your downstream swag, and it's fantastic shit. It's really good stuff. Also, there's so much more I could get if I replied to certain emails, which I haven't <laughs> because I feel too guilty asking for it. But if people just give me shit, I'm like not gonna say no. God, what's so. coming up? <laughs> what kind of swag will Wednesday give? Are you on the Wednesday list? Uh, I I actually don't know my I'm not on all Netflix things. Whenever I get Netflix, I'm surprised. <laughs> so so like I got the to dumb stuff, and I was like, why? Um, but yeah, so 
there are certain networks that get me more than others. And then and then the rest of them are kind of like a surprise. But yeah, if I worked for it, I could probably like talk to someone at Netflix and be like, how do I get on these lists? But since I already get so much stuff, I'm, I feel weird about that. That's um, true. I just remember, I forgot who it was, but I remember someone posting that they got like swag from Parasite and it was like a box of Asian pears. But oh, they were yes. on vacation. So it was Phil. So it it was, was Phil. So they ended yeah. up rotting in his driveway. Yeah. yeah. I need to, at some point, like get on whatever the Asian list is because there's been some sweet stuff that's come to people where I'm just, and usually it's food that I'm just like, that's it's good only snacks. It's yeah. like snacks you want to eat. That's the only FOMO I have when it comes to swag is like food. Because sometimes people have like, there's a Hulu show about food and people get delivery. And I was like, how am I not on this list? So, um, you know, you know, Han Win is such like was... a ambiguous. No one knows that's the Asian name. You know, Han Win is such a. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know. It could be anybody, right? It could be uh, Scandinavian, maybe. Probably like, French. You know, no, Johan. All, all French people in, in, in Vietnam. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, maybe they're just too scared because they like don't know how to spell your name, so they're like, <laughs> let's avoid it all together. Well, my thing is this: is probably despite this podcast, I don't do a lot of writing for um, Salon because I'm editing most of the time. So when I write, I, I cover a, a number of things. They're not always Asian. And so I think that's why my brand hasn't really been Asian enough mm. to um, to get on the radar. So like, let's say um, when I was at IndieWire, I got asked to um, be on NPR a few times for stuff for certain Asian things. But then like um, now it's other people I know who are being the go-to Asian. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it's just more of like because I haven't been able to write enough and be able to like tweet those stories out and stuff. That's why. Um, but I am the Asian behind the scenes, getting certain <laughs> stories done. Secret Asian. We're secret yeah. Asian now. We're secret all secret Asians, Asians now. <laughs> yeah, secret Asians. Anyway. Uh, anyways. All right. <laughs> this has been our <laughs> wedding slash swag podcast welcome yeah. um to good pop your wedding and swag podcast um this week we're talking about she hulk which is a show i wasn't planning on watching until last week when han <laughs> suggested it and you know what i'm glad i did because this show ended up being pretty bonkers in a good way it was quite delightful thank you han for making <laughs> yes. us watch it it's also if we're gonna support women this is a good one and, yeah. and support asian women that is one. true such a such a mood this show but uh, before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture begins through this week. Uh, Jess, besides furniture shopping, what's popping? So I have caught up with a little indie show. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called <laughs> House of the Dragon. Uh, it's playing on HBO. And I wasn't too, uh, I wasn't planning on like kind of diving back into the Game of Thrones world. I think we all still have like collective anger over like, the you know, the letdown that was Game of Thrones and the investments and everything that just like never paid off. But I do know several writers on that show and uh, they wrote episode seven and eight. Seven was, was really good. Very, very cool. Yeah. So yeah. seven was the big, big episode where like a lot of action happened and they um, I think logistically they shot that first because it had a lot mm -hmm. of outdoor scenes and a lot of CGI. So they needed to like get that shot first. And that's the one they used in all the trailers. Mm -hmm. So it's really, very cool. And I realized that, you know, someone I knew wrote that and got to write that. And then the episode eight, which is 
very much the opposite very like internal law like it's almost like the crown in game of thrones like just a lot of people talking to each other and power grabbing and politicking but still also very interesting um so very cool to see kind of like two two little babies of mine um you know kind of create <laughs> these crazy big big projects and like you know i did kind of have to catch up with it and i will say like it's been pretty enjoyable um and we were talking about this, you know, prior off, off, off recording off the record. But yeah, like, is it the most subtle show? No. Is it the most complicated show? No. But I do think it's trying to do something that Game of Thrones pretty much dropped off the wayside, like somewhere in the middle, which is that, you know, it's a high fantasy show. There's dragons like dragon like like it's a fantasy world where people ride and command dragons um you know and there's and and it is interesting that the main two players in this new series are women and i do think it does a better job in kind of giving them stuff to do um you know it, it is about things that i think pertain to women and women's stories and experiences like motherhood and being you know sexism it, the whole show would not exist if people just were not sexist. <laughs> I'm like, just let her rule. It's fine. You know, like, he sucks. He sucks. She's great. But, like, she's a woman. So everyone's, like, mad. Um, like, if you merely just weren't misogynistic, patriarch- patriarch- patriarchal pieces of shit, it'd be fine. Um, but but it does so, I think, in a more nuanced way than we, what we saw in Game of Thrones. And I do think that is because one of the higher producers is a woman is a woman of color and i'm sure i hope my my guess is that you know while miguel sapochnik is trying to figure out the lighting situation she's probably (laughs) running the room a little bit more so i take it game of thrones the prequel is still (laughs) super dark um yes in some respects but i did notice especially early on that there's a lot of candles and fire everywhere so i think maybe that was their answer to trying to light things a little bit more even though they didn't have electricity back you know then in this semi-medieval uh fantasy setting um but that also just means that sometimes all you see is like fire uh so yeah and there is definitely one scene uh a love scene an incestuous love scene where i was fine not seeing stuff but other people really want to take those screen grabs so they were upset. Um, it's this 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 property. <laughs> this property has fully rotted our brains because you're just like every week you're like, yes, I hope she fucks her uncle. <laughs> yes, like no, don't fuck your brother. You it's fuck like your other brother. <laughs> yeah, but you have two kids by that brother now, and they still look the same. Mm-hmm. How how many like? I don't even want to look at the shipping Reddit on this for this show. So, so in one very bored evening, I tried to look at the family tree. Like, oh oh, no, no, no! It's 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 bad. Yeah. Is it worse Uh, than dark though? That family tree. Uh, well, since they can't loop back on time, that's the only reason (laughs) you cannot be your own ancestor in this show. (laughs) However, what what shows? It's the best time travel show in the world, and it's German. Um, okay. It's yeah. great. You should watch it. It's called Dark. They have a new show called- coming out soon, 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's on Netflix. It's called Dark. And I think it's one of my favorite foreign shows on Netflix uh, besides any of the Asian ones. Um, yeah, I think yeah. what's great about Dark is I, I think what sets it apart, not not just a genre, but like, you know, Game of Thrones is all about consensual incest, whereas Dark is all about accidental incest. Is that what? better? I don't think that's better. <laughs> I mean, also, that's like also Futurama. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and also, you know, it wasn't sex. Wait, it was sex once. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yes. So yeah. you know, this this has definitely rotted our brains a little bit. But you know, it's Matt Smith, so I get it. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's really yeah. I th- I think all the actors are really great. Um, I like. I'm very cautiously optimistic to invest for the five more years of my life in this. The thing is, we know. It is a little different because we know how it ends. He has not finished the series either, but like we know from historical, like yeah, canon, like who it's like wins. The, it's like the Star Wars prequels. We know this is a story about a falling yeah. dynasty. Yeah, I will right? say they've made really interesting changes and choices, which I think is brave and necessary. And I am excited to see how that plays out in some of the um, seasons going forward. Like in the book, it's never. A hundred percent confirmed, even though there are rumors and like people believe and they like gossip about it that, you know, her kids are Rhaenyra's kids are bastards. Yeah. Yeah. Like they can't factually prove it versus like it is a fact within an an open secret in the show that, you know, they are the biological children of like Harwin Strong. Yeah. Um, So that's that's like, oh, like, yeah, I understand. Like, I, I think they're making necessary choices Um, that makes me cautiously optimistic about you know the artistic vision of this show going forward yeah i i'm also curious because like you were saying based on the book this is only one tiny portion of this very big heavy historical tome that george r r martin wrote so i am curious like well i see why they chose this period in the book because of the two women, the queens or the princess, you know, going uh, head to head. But I also wonder, like, wh- how far they're going to go. Um, but anyway, sorry, what were you yeah. saying, Marvin? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to hear you say that the show is going back to the character, like, study that the early seasons of Game of Thrones were much more interested in. Because I, like you, uh, we talked about this before offline too Justin and I came into the original run of Game of Thrones pretty late in the game like I didn't start watching until like maybe season 7 which admittedly is probably not the best time to jump in but also probably the best time because that's when the showrunners took the reins and decided instead of doing character moments let's just resolve everything in the most shocking way possible oh I don't know if I feel like House of the Dragon has really good character moments yet Uh, although hey Justin did you watch the most the latest episode I have not. Okay. Well, when you do, please text me. <laughs> well, um, anyway, yes. I mean, <laughs> I haven't had time to jump into this or Rings of Power because, as you know, I've been mm-hmm. pretty invested in Andor, which is a show with great character yes. moments yes. and motivations <laughs> and plot lines that actually build off each other to make sure everything makes sense. Yes, we will. We will definitely get to Andor, but that's not. <laughs> now they're going to be rolling out. Uh, one episode per week. So it's going to take a little longer for it to finish. <laughs> they know. They know everyone's three-year uh, 
subscription yeah. subscriptions are ending and they're like oh shit we got a hit guys we gotta we gotta keep them we gotta keep them i need to look to see like i assume mine already expired because i did mine at d23 so i think that was a august or september three years ago so mm. i don't know if it just re-upped or what but i still get disney plus i mean so. check that credit card statement <laughs> yeah yeah which is fine like i i pay for it for a reason um, until they crack down, my mom gets it, and so does everyone else. You know, <laughs> that we're, sharing. We're, we're eating good so far. We got we got a good Star Wars, and we got a pretty good Marvel this time yeah, around. So, and I'm getting, and I get the movies, and you know, there's some other decent stuff. I watch uh, Mighty Ducks, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> there are other things I watch on there. Yeah. All right. Speaking of things you watch, Han, what's popping with you? <laughs> Uh, weirdly, not quite as incestuous, but still pretty uh, gory and and um, cutthroat is AMC's new uh, series interview with the vampire. It's based on the book by Anne Rice, and we've seen a movie starring Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, and Kirsten Dunst. Um, I thought Kirsten Dunst was the best part of that film. Um, but this one is interesting in that, and so far it's really good. First of all, it looks amazing. Um, the The setup is the same, where Louis is a vampire who goes to a journalist who was played by Christian Bale in the movie. Um, and here it's Eric Bogosian or something like that. Uh, and decides to tell about his life, how he became a vampire and his life since then. And Lestat was the guy who turned him, or the vampire who turned him. But What's really cool about this version is that Louis is a black man in Louisiana, uh, in New Orleans. And so back when he got turned, uh, there's definitely um, addressing uh, the inequities and the things he had to do. He was a businessman, but he still had to like sort of like walk that tightrope between, you know, like pleasing people, but also trying to you know be ambitious. So for him to get turned by this white vampire was also an interesting thing because the white vampire wasn't understanding about like the things he had to go through. Um, and the Claudia, the young child vampire is also a black girl. Um, oh. So there's, yeah, I, and they've done, and here's the thing, Louis de Pont de Lac is played by Jacob Anderson, who you may know as Grey Worm from yes. Game of Thrones. Oh. You may also know him if you like British music, Raleigh Ritchie. He is a musician. Uh, so, yeah. So he's fantastic. I really like him. Also, even though it was sort of hinted at in the books and sort of hinted at in the movie, it is way in your face that they gay. Um, yes. Or at least they're queer. So, like, they go always. So um, that was really good. I mean, uh, salons and vampire, you got to get bored. It's like, what's the point? Of, yeah, <laughs> like, what, what are cultural norms when you live forever? That's like what yeah. we do in the shadows does, too. Yeah, it just makes sense for you to be, like, open. And uh, so Lestat is played by Sam Reed. And uh, he has talked about, like, how they had to have intimacy coordinators, which makes sense and very good. And you should do that. And he was talking about how it's like stunts. like They have to choreograph everything. They have to practice and all this stuff. And so I like that. Um, yeah, so it's so far so good. The second episode I thought was really fascinating because as he continues to tell this story to the reporter um, in the second episode, he has a seven course meal. And uh, serve to each of them. And so, of course, he as a vampire gets like certain animals or or blood soup or other things served to him. Whereas the, the reporter gets like 
different other gourmet meals. And it's a whole strange production. And it's really, really cool. Um, the set dressing is amazing on the show. Like, there is no room that is, like, accidental. You know, there's no just plain room. Um, it's it just all very well thought out. And it is a vibe. And so I think that's really important when you, when you get Anne Rice's stuff. Um, it's also spooky season. So uh, yeah. it's appropriate. And this is also the beginning of the Anne Rice... Uh, cinematic Uni- universe, universe, yes. And there's through a- there's through already AMC. other shows, right? There's like other shows that are already yeah. So Mayf- Mayfair Witches is coming next. Um, so I think this is the beginning, actually, of that. I think there was a discovery of witches, which is not related. Okay, <laughs> but um, yeah. I think anyway, I have to double check. But yeah, so Mayfair Witches is the next thing that's coming out. That's through Anne Rice, but they're just gonna lean in on all that shit so i think that's pretty cool that they're taking this lens on it um and you know i know Anne rice passed away last year but assuming she had like a a role in like exact producing right while this was in development uh you know christopher rice um who is uh i need to double check um yeah (laughs) christopher rice is the son and he is definitely a producer on this and so i think through even if she were maybe too feeble, but yes, she was an executive producer. He is currently. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So she's I, well I, represented. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want to read too much into it, but it sounds like the creators had gave like their blessing for like this new take on their work, which is pretty cool. And then I feel like even back when the novels were like coming out, I feel like the interview of the vampire series has always been kind of subversive, right? And always has those like the subtext in there that now they're making more explicit text. Yeah, I, you know, I like this, not to necessarily compare them, but I like it when authors understand that, first of all, their book is not be all end all, but also that for them to have been published at some point, sometimes they had to hold back. And so when it gets adapted, they're like, yes, please put all of that in there. Um, That's with like Bridgerton. Bridgerton is like the whitest white, white (laughs) show, uh, like series, book series in the world. And also very simple. And the TV series, like with all the critiques that people might make of it, is definitely tries to do different things and tries to add extra context um, yeah. and meaning to it. So, yeah, I, I think I this is for me makes sense to be remade when people are against remakes. I'm like, well, the way they're doing this makes sense. Yeah. In my um, head canon, Anne Rice really wanted Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise to kiss in the original film. <laughs> Oh, Anne Rice is super horny. She's yeah, like yeah. written much hornier books. Oh, like. totally, totally, totally. So, yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I can think of the, what is it, the S&M books that she was she Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, we know about that. There's a whole series. There's yes. a whole yes. other Very, world, Marvin. Well, the I'm happy goes. that a new generation of horny adolescents and young adults can experience the Anne Rice-averse and see what, you know, what Twilight... I mean, let's do, be real. You know? <laughs> Has there ever been a non-horny vampire show? Like True Blood, <laughs> extremely horny. And, yeah, and also very queer, too. So What We um, Do in the Shadow, very horny. Well, I had this... Uh, I mean, vampires are just an allegory for horniness, right? Yeah, that's Yeah, true. yeah. Bram Stoker actually was queer. And so there's, there's... Even though it's sort of subtext in his book, it's definitely there. So I, it's just carrying on the tradition. I mean, Dracula yeah. totally wanted to fuck Keanu Reeves, right? In that movie? Yes, I mean, <laughs> who would it? <laughs> yeah, vampire is a seducer, no matter what. So yes, I 
It's all there. Um, anyway, right. uh, Marvin, what's popping with you? Oh, I don't know. I've just it's my wedding week. I have never really had time to do anything. Um, if I can say anything, I so I downloaded a game called Potion Permit on my Switch because it looked mm-hmm. like one of these fun kind of like um, Stardew Valley esque like cozy sims right and so i played a couple hours of it it's fine i wouldn't necessarily recommend it wholeheartedly but it is a fun one of these so the premise is Hmm. you play as an apprentice pharmacist who or chemist who comes into town from the capital to this rural area to cure the mayor's daughter and after you do so you set up shop as the local apothecary and so you know, there's no farming in this game. Instead, you go out every day, you gather resources. Do you gather? Oh, my God. I love gathering. <laughs> um, that become your ingredients for the drugs that you make in your house. <laughs> so every so every once in a while, you get patients who come in. You have to diagnose them through, through mini games. And then you go back to your cauldron. You... Basically, each ingredient has a corresponding Tetris piece, and you use those Tetris pieces to fit together um, these uh, schematics, which become you know, the medicine you apply to your villagers. So it's kind of a loop. You know, As you go along, you open up new areas, you get stronger tools, you, you know, talk to the townspeople and become their friends, and like, there's no marriage. So, you know. I don't need to marry anyone. Oh my god, my husband is so useless in the um in, in Stardew Valley. He waters like six plants. <laughs> I literally have like dozens. And he's like, I watered six plants for you. Now I'm gonna go right. I was like, motherfucker, what's the point? I might as well be single. Yeah. yeah. And in this game, you're always. I mean, you can. I think you can date. There's like a checkbox that says whether they're romanceable or not. So I'm assuming as you become better friends with them, you can. No, you know, I must focus on steady. my craft of pharmaca. <laughs> Are are there wedding games? Video there are. Games? I mean, there's oh. dating sims. There's games. Yeah, where... but but wedding like specifically for weddings. That is. Oh, someone should make that. Someone should just make I a mean, wedding simulator. To, I like, assume there go is. Through. I don't know. <laughs> Mother attacks. I need to invite twenty of my best friends. <laughs> wedding video game. I'm I'm googling. Um. Yeah, there's wedding planner. Oh wow! Wedding wedding dash model wedding. I well, I mean, the good the part of this game is you know it's gender agnostic, so you can date anyone you want, no matter what their gender is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, okay. um, everyone is romanceable, including so. There's Romance. there's some light story bits here. So you are here as like the pharmacist who is science based, and your rival is the local witch doctor who thinks you're a quack because. Before you came, there was a chemist who came that was corrupt. So the whole town's a little like cautious of you because the last chemist that the capital sent was a dick. And so your rival. I literally think you're talking. You're, I think you're describing the summary or the basis of Everwood right now, Marvin. <laughs> <laughs> this is Everwood. Oh my God. Do you guys remember that show? I, yes. What, yes. What's Everwood? It was like Greg Berlanti's first show. That's what made Greg Berlanti Greg Berlanti. And it was Chris Pratt's first job. Oh. Damn it. That's that's the thing that gave us <laughs> Chris Pratt fuck. Um, yeah. but here's no, but the basically part. it's exactly what you described. Oh, okay. So maybe this took inspiration from that. Who knows? Um, but here's the best part. The rival wish doctor, he's also romanceable. Oh. Ooh. I love this whole romanceable. <laughs> like, that's a great adjective. Enemies to lovers. 
Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm sure I'll be, I mean, I put in a good six hours. I've opened the second area so far. <laughs> it's not this. that good. I've played six. I've already I mean, played six hours. I didn't say it wasn't good. I said it was fine. <laughs> um, it was fine. And it's definitely a game you can just like, it's a nice cozy game. You know what I'm talking about, Jess, right? It's like, you know, you, oh, you, yeah. you jump in. You play like a couple hours and then like you move on with your life. But um, no, that's, that's not how I play cozy games. That's, yeah, that's. <laughs> but yes, I understand in theory. Uh, but yeah, the game is Potion Permit. Um, I probably wait till it goes on sale before grabbing it, unless you really vibe with what I talked about. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, all right, um, that's what's popping for this week. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking about She Hulk. Stick around. Podcast Asians in Baseball alongside Naomi Ko and Scott Okamoto. Asians in Baseball is exactly what it sounds like a podcast about the Asian and Asian Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Americans in Major League Baseball. Every week we break down the highlights of what's going on with Asians in Baseball and then take a deeper dive into the Asian and Asian Americans past and present who have shaped baseball as it is today. Whether you're Kim Ang's number one fan or you've never even heard of Hideo Nomo, we've got something for everyone especially for the Shohei Otani stands. Maybe too much for the Shohei Otani stands. Listen to Asians in Baseball wherever you get podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. All right, welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, on this week, we check out the latest MCU Disney Plus TV series, She-Hulk, um, about Bruce Banner's cousin, Jennifer Walters, uh, played by Tatiana Maslany, who gains Hulk powers after an accident and tries to balance her career uh, as a lawyer with her new found superpowers and alter ego. Um, it is a half hour long television series um, that ran for nine episodes, which is a little irregular. Um, mm-hmm. And created and show run by Jessica Gao, um, who previously was one of the um, not head writers, but one of the writers on Rick and Morty, who famously wrote the Pickle, Pickle Rick. Rick episode. She um, got an Emmy for that. You definitely see her unique mm-hmm. style of humor all around this um, show. Um, it is, I don't even know how to explain this show. <laughs> it has it sitcom is, energy, yes. it has superhero energy, and it's very meta, which mm-hmm. um, I didn't know because I'm not as familiar with the Shiko character, but apparently in the comics, she is like a Deadpool. She is someone she, who talks, breaks the fourth wall, and like yeah. 
does a lot of like meta jokes, which this show employs right from the off the mm-hmm. bat, which took me by surprise. Um, I did not come in expecting to like this show as much as I did because, you know, it's MCU TV. I've been hurt before, but man, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. What did you all think of She-Hulk? Uh, yeah, I really liked it because it was its own beast, right? Like when we talk about how the MCU shows have been so like up and down, it's because they each bring in a new showrunner, a new creator or whatever it is to run the show. And sometimes you they have no fucking idea what TV is. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm looking at you. Um, and then, or other times, like, they figure out the pacing, but they don't know what to do with the end because they're still thinking movie. And so here, you know, whatever you want to say about it, they know how to make an episode. Like, you definitely have a feeling like, this is the Wong episode, this is the whatever episode. And you can see that they have figured out what their arc is. So things that were teased at the very beginning, it does, you do come back to it. So I really just liked all the parts of it in addition to just being pretty happy watching it. You know, it was a very pleasant watch. Yes. Um, Same. I was not expecting, number one, I didn't really understand what the fuck this show was, (laughs) uh, which is why I didn't really have an urge to watch it initially. But um, and and I was also very confused in the beginning of like what I was watching, but then I realized it is a satire of a lady work show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you're Mary familiar with it. Yeah, it's it is it is. I think it's more of that in its DNA than anything else. Like a female centered, um, you know, finding yourself twenties, th- like adult career romance, like a Sex in the City. Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, obviously, like the legal version of that is like the good wife or yeah. Allie McBeal, right? It, it is it is more Allie McBeal than it is a Marvel show. But it has the layer of the superhero, which um, because it's a comedy and relatively low stakes. And I think also because it's not majorly entwined with like so far with the MCU rigmarole and like it has to fit in this plot line it happens you know everyone gets to have a lot more fun and i think they get to write the characters in like much crazier situations like i loved all the like cameos and you know when we watch some of the bigger properties that premiere in theaters you're like what is like why is wong always like got like what like how come he just like bounces like i'm out i'm like oh he was he was doing he was in the middle of a lawsuit okay he was, he was yeah. watching okay. sopranos yeah yes. yeah i i like how they definitely address the things that we've mentioned before so it's yeah. very well aware i think yeah i think that was when i realized that this wasn't a show about f- cool fights right cool fights happen but it's They're often secondary. like yeah. secondary to the story or like incidental and like not very not the focus of the episodes the episodes it's like she hulk is trying to live her life and no one is letting her yeah or you know things like Uh, She has to go to a wedding, but, you know, She-Hulk has great hair, but she can't, you know, the bride does not want her to be She-Hulk because, uh, you know, that would obviously take attention away from the bride. And that's a very fair, like, Mm -hmm. request. I'm like, um, it's it's very, it just rings very true to, like, a, you know, working woman, can I have it all, love and career, like, which are shows I really enjoy. I'll be very upfront with that. Um. And then, but then you get fun cameos like a romance with Daredevil, which mm-hmm. they have great chemistry too, and both very, it's very cute. cute. It's yeah. very cute. And I will say, this is like the more most adult 
Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, this is like the most adult like context and content I've seen in a Marvel show. Well, she she yeah, had sex three fuck. times. She had sex yeah. several times. Yeah. Um, she Hulk fucks, you know. You know? Captain America does it, you, not. Yeah, which is I mean, a and they hope point. they talk about it. So there's, you know, there's like that level of meta, and then the, you know, the more meta meta where she's talking to the audience. Um, I don't know if all of that worked for me because I felt like the, even though it's in the DNA of the character, I thought the show had enough things going on, even without that like super meta moment towards the end. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? The only thing I would say about that is you have. People have heard me complain about the big blow uppy Marvel ending for most movies, TV shows, etc., where all of a sudden they have to go really big and to the point where I actually tune out that they just keep explosions happen. People are fighting and I literally don't pay attention. Like I'm, my eyes are on the screen, but I'm not taking any of it in. Yes, so th- I agree. I have also gone on the record to complain about the Marvel third act and how every something has to fall from the sky. Yeah. So the one thing I will have to say about this, which I agree, I don't know if I loved the, the concept of the ending, but I remembered it. So, so that says something. Um, yeah. It's dangerously close to Disney becoming self-aware and ruining it by being self-aware about it, right? But yeah, at yeah. the same time, I'm glad that they're trying something new. I'm glad that they, I hope that this is like, um, I guess what they call in therapy, a breakthrough moment where they reflect on what they've done for the past two decades and decide, let's be, let's tell better stories going forward. Yeah, I would also say, so when we talk about like the look of it, I love the courtroom sketches that they do for the ending credits. Which um, if they even did the same ones every single time, I would have been fine. But no, they changed up and like yeah. do new sketches and they're always cute and funny. Um, and because the show is very much a TV show and understands like the limitations, but also where they can stretch. This is one I would love to hear if they would get a second season. <laughs> I know it's expensive. There's a lot of CGI. <laughs> oh, so much CGI. So yeah. much CGI. But I'm willing to wait if they, because the other thing is, I really do enjoy Tatiana Maslany. Um, I covered her to death on Orphan Black. And here she has just that same good, like, this is a comedy, but it's not like super hilarious comedy. It's a comedy where you're just supposed to feel good. And I think she's very charming, charismatic, and can like really play those different types of things that this really weird broad comedy requires. Oh of my her. god, it's so weird! Like lesser actor, this n- yeah. none of this would work. She's so yeah. good, and we know Tatiana's Mas- We know Tatiana Maslany is great because she played like eight characters, seven in that versions show. of herself, and, and I yeah was notoriously like she never won an Emmy for that, right? Uh, she got like a nomination for I forgot what award, Greatest but yeah, crime in what, what, history. What was hilarious was I kept covering that show and. I have to tell you, every single time she was at a TCA panel, I'd be like, where's everybody else? Because <laughs> I was just like, I expected the panel to have at least like seven or eight people. And it was like her and two people. And I was like, oh, right. She plays the other ones. So that just tells you, like, I know as a critic, she is all those people, but it's still sort of an adjustment. Um, I hope they paid yeah. her eight times as much, which I, I, I guess is not how it works. But no, that's how yeah. that that's how much work she put into those characters. But and. but what I like is that she's been I don't want to say coast. She's been in other things, but it, she took her time to find another big uh, leading role, and I think this was like well worth it. So, yeah, yeah, I'll get yeah. Um, I also enjoyed um, like Jessica Gal's fingerprints all over. Like she coming from the Rick and Morty world, her specialty is 
really smart writing about really dumb shit, right? <laughs> How and, dare you? Yes. <laughs> and it's just like, I love that even though there's a lot of goofiness, a lot of sitcom energy, a lot of just weird stuff going on, everyone takes it seriously. Like everyone is like playing. Yeah. Everything's deliberate and it fully embraces the world it's created, just like with Rick and Morty. So that's why you can have something dumb that you think would be like, oh, is this just a girl, a girl thing? Like when she starts doing um, online dating. But it actually not only has like things to say and uh, plays out in plots later, including in the legal world, but also it's very smart in the way they, they set up her dates and like Anyone who's had to go through the whole swiping mess, you know, understands like the truth of the the people she meets and the types of you know interaction she has. Yeah. So I thought it was just so smart. And I love that. You no, know, I mean you can say there is a supervillain. I don't, but I don't think there really is. There's like no. antagonists, but the real supervillain in this series is men and misogyny, men. right? Yes, <laughs> yes, men, patriarchy. Um, yeah, and and like they're both presented in some pretty like like more like legitimately like dangerous ways and some more like like annoying but you know um jokes and and they're both very effective um i i do love the side character of dennis her ex (laughs) co-worker at the da office who legitimately thought that he was dating megan the stallion oh so good he Um, truly thought that he could get her because he was so delusional. And I just actually just loved, you know, outside of like even the bigger things, just I really like the weird case of the week and this mm-hmm. cottage industry that springs mm-hmm. up in a world where there's like superheroes and aliens and shape-shifting elves from Asgard. Um, do you guys remember that show Outsourced? Yeah. Th- yes. Yes. I tried to yes. kind of do the same thing. I feel like this is the successful execution of what Outsourced <laughs> was. Um, and, and just like, yeah, what happens like to regular people in yeah. this like crazy new world? What happens when you take the deadbeat dad that fakes his own death to the extreme? <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. He's like, well, legally I was dead. I was like, that's true. Like you have to He's, start changing the law, right? What to account so for these supernatural beings. Uh, just, it, it's not just men, but it's like all the types of men, you know, <laughs> who are like featured here that are just so bad in so many different ways. And it's uh, kind of genius that they also preemptively burn all the angry men who will write stuff online about this show by making fun of them. Yes. Well. Uh, it, yeah. It's like, hey, you're not going to be exempted here. You know, even if you're not featured as a character, here's we're taking care of all the rest of y'all. Um <laughs> I also like because Jessica Gao, this was a a uh, a sneaky super Asian show. Um, so many Asians. Wow. Yeah. Like we were already excited because we knew because we knew Wong would be on it. But like um, uh, Jen Walter's best friend, Nikki Ramos, is played by Ginger Gonzaga. I think she's half Filipino. Uh, oh, and J- she's great. She's Fantastic. This is also why I want a season two. Uh, Jamila Jamil, Patty Harrison. Uh, so funny as yes. the weird bride. Whoever played the, Josh. The yeah, the guy who played Josh. Yeah. I didn't look up his name just because I was angry that they made him like that. So. <laughs> the guy, the guy in the boba, the bo- the boba cafe. Oh the my boba. god! Chief Hulk has made boba MCU canon, just as Avengers did for Swarma. I I do. 
Yes. That is a, yeah, awesome. I, yes. Also, can I just shout out to Ginger Gonzaga, whose Chinese is fantastic. <laughs> oh, was it her, good? Her tone was fantastic. It was pretty good. Like, yeah. better than some, like, Chinese people. <laughs> good to oh, know. She went to, she went to Cal. I'm just stalking her right now. Good. She's um, so great. Did, did, did you guys, I, in the very first scene on the back of, in her office, in Jennifer Walter's office, there's there's like two UC diplomas. <laughs> and I try to figure out which one, which school. I was like, did she go to Berkeley? <laughs> Probably LA, Let's uh, since it's set in LA. I think she had the UCLA another... pendant in her in her bedroom. So I need yeah, to... And that's also really fun. It's a very LA show, which I love. Yeah. I feel like I need to watch it again to look, to catch all the LA things. Because at first I was just like, da, da, da. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, this is in LA. <laughs> so... That was just like a bonus, but I was paying attention to other things. Though. Yes, I mean, her house is like very like mm-hmm. L.A. bungle, like, like duplex, Brentwood, like yeah. Um, uh, love that. There's entire there's entire episode dedicated to the Magic Castle. Yeah, which is great. Uh, the fucking Magic Castle. <laughs> have you uh, been? Yes, I have. Uh, twice, I believe. One time, though, I was so drunk. Um, <laughs> But uh, this is a me in my 20s. You know, so uh, and I think for those people who don't know the Magic Castle, you have to be invited. You can only be invited. You cannot just go. And the way you get invited is you need to know a magician. A magician. Yeah. So I always Which is the, just the most undignified thing to do to have to ask a magician <laughs> to get you in. It, yeah, it's so bizarre because I didn't think I knew a magician, but somehow a friend of a friend was like, hey, so we're inviting people. I was like, OK, I guess you're a it's magician. L.A. Han. Everyone knows a magician. Yeah. This is and true. then or you're you're no more than one degree away from a magician. And I can't remember what other TV show featured Magic Castle, but it's very true that. Men have to wear a jacket. <laughs> so, because I think there was a TV show that featured the Magic Castle, and someone had to get kicked out because they were wasn't that jacket. Arrested Development, or am I remembering wrong? I don't remember. I don't watch Arrested Development though. So, um, anyway, um, I do love that the Magic Castle storyline is all about what does magic mean in the world where actual sorcery exists. That magician, wow! I just, another <laughs> dude, another dude. <laughs> uh, but so that good. episode also gave us the best Wong moment. So. Yeah. Well, Wong was, I was very pleasantly surprised, was in more than one episode, although that was his bigger episode. Um, and and brought us the wonderful character of Madison with the Y. Madison, lover. Uh, the side characters are all very, very Delightful. Funny. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope some of them get to come back. I know some of them seem like one-off. Yeah. Like, which... Which, you know, which just goes against literally everything I say. Because I kind of wish, I wouldn't, I would love it if this was literally just a case of the week. Yeah. No, I like, like get that rid too. of like the pretense of like a like overarching larger MCU like supervillain. Like I would just love a case of the week comedy show. And then Jamila Jamil shows up every once in a while. To just like fuck shit up. up. Yeah. Um, I did. I was a little. So Jamila Jamil plays Titania, who is a mm-hmm. super powered um in this universe influencer and it's funny because she has tahani tendencies but <laughs> yes, without but the accent american accent and I was, yeah. that threw me off a little bit it actually. was weird yeah i didn't I, that was a choice and i didn't <laughs> understand like why could they couldn't just make let her be british or whatever british. so to tahani uh-huh <laughs> Or, or like she would sound too legit if she had a British accent. Like, yeah, like she's just a smart lady. <laughs> yeah. Smart, crafty business lady. 
Yeah, I don't know. But um, anyway, it, yeah, it's, yeah, despite these weird choices sometimes, I was like, I still, everything just worked. Yeah. I had a really good time. Yeah. I, and I'm not the biggest fan of like shows with, shows with sitcom energy, but I appreciated it this time. Like even like the random family members that just dropped by. Yeah. And like, Ran- I feel like the most comic character besides Jennifer's dad is her cousin, Ched. Ched? Who okay, is definitely so Ched- the cousin that lives in your garage in your family sitcom, right? Ched, w- Ched was great, but I also do need to bring it back to the dad because it's played by the great Mark Lynn Baker, who was in Perfect Strangers, which is oh. a horrible series when you think about it in retrospect, but it was a big part of the 80s. And um, it was also a big plot line in The Leftovers. Uh, and which revived Mark Lynn Baker's career. And so I'm happy to see him still working. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I feel like we're at a point where I know we're all chomping a bit to talk about what happens in the last few episodes, like the big spoiler parts. So um, just a quick, from this point forward, we're going to take the spoiler safeties off and just talk candidly about what happened. So if you haven't watched the show yet and our discussion piqued interest for you, go ahead and watch it. It's, it's a pretty breezy watch. You know, Don't be fooled by the run times on Disney+. Plus. They're not actual 33-minute shows. They're 24-minute shows with 10 minutes of credits. So Because all the CGI! <laughs> so there's definitely a breezy watch. Um, but if you've listened this far, you've watched the show already, or you just don't care, um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, what happened at the end of She-Hulk because I feel like I need to talk about this. So, what do we think about Kevin Feige Robot? <laughs> I mean, this might be the closest Disney will allow criticism against, you know, <laughs> Big Daddy Kevin. Big Daddy Kev. I mean, I, I look, we kind of discussed this when we talked about Reboot and I love it when the show or the movie pokes fun at the studio or production company behind them. And so they not only talk about Marvel, but they talk about the head honcho Marvel here. And they make him a robot. They just keep talking about Kevin. And I was like, do they mean Kevin Feige? And then they were like, uh, they kept using the wrong pronoun. So I was like, oh, Kevin is not a human. I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed the robot part of it. But I think the first thing we notice that something is up is when things get sort of like big and explodey, everything stops. And then all of a sudden you're at the uh, navigation screen for Disney Plus and she's breaking through and then like going to another, navigating to another thing. And that I was just like, hmm, okay. I don't know how well that part worked. I feel like the writer's had a great idea, but needed that moment to bridge. And yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. If it was up to me, that was probably the best I could come up with too. It's like, how about we just have her jump around the navigation screen? Yeah, yeah, I, no, you're right. I think that's what they landed on. I don't know if I loved it or if it worked, but whatever. That's their. That's yeah, what they did. But, but I do. I did love because when they were getting into the big fight scene in the last episode, I was like, this is a little like I was with Jen. Like this is a little out of nowhere. And a little forced, right? All the Hulks converge and have a big CGI fight. And then the fact that they lampshade it and like resolve it, saying we don't need this to have a good show. This show should be about Jennifer working through her problems. Um, I feel like it's it's at the same time a an interesting way to criticize what we all dislike about 
Marvel third acts, but also a little too Not didactic. Really solving you know? it. A little yeah. too didactic, a little too like, okay, sure, you, you understand the problem and you can make fun of yourself for it. Will anything change? Though? It it was yeah. I think you're right. It's sometimes a, it's a little bit on the nose, <laughs> but it's also wasn't part of the storytelling. It it it, it would have been interesting if they figured out a way to resolve it within that universe that they created. Um, the only thing I can say is, in some ways, like I see in what they're doing, like with Jen being this woman in the workplace who's been accused of like you know not being able to be angry and because she's too scary when she's angry or um you know having to have her friend back her up for something um this is her way of advocating for herself which is what a lot of women have to do in business um and then the workplace which is to call the shots and um and say i'm not going to do take this anymore so i see exactly like yes i get what you're doing i don't know how it felt for me it didn't feel satisfying i so, feel like yeah, yeah i feel like if you're gonna have that allegory just keep it allegory keep it subtext keep it like within the universe the fact that you're kind of being self-referential here makes any future transgressions even worse because now we know that you know what the problem is right well she no longer can go back because kevin the robot is um isn't allowing her. So oh, I'm, I'm talking about overall in terms of like Disney as like in the entity, real life, like oh, real oh, oh, life yeah. Kevin Feige, not robot Kevin Feige. Like we know <laughs> that they at this point they've admitted their third act problem, and so any future third act problems will be even more egregious, right? Because it's like you, you already understand. They can already dismiss it and just say that was that little show run by this woman we don't know or whatever it is they want to say. They can dismiss it, and they will also say this is not very instrumental to the MCU. And so, yeah, again, I feel like they don't need to address it. They can just mm. do whatever the fuck they want and. Probably will. Um, but I am sad that you, uh, that probably is the case. <laughs> that yeah. we're probably going to get that Marvel third act where I'm just going to be like, I'm bored. Um, <laughs> um, one other thing I want to touch on. We mentioned before that this is one of the first MCU shows that uh, where the characters actually have sex with each other. Um, mm-hmm. Jess, I need to know what you thought about Daredevil's Walk of Shame. <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like... It's like, yes, these are the things we don't think about in the flashy, shiny movies, right? Like like the walk of shame in your costume. Like, how do you clean it? You, you can't send it out to dry cleaning, right? People going to know. Um, like, you know, she can't find clothes that fit her in both bodies. So she has to go to like a special designer who's kind of a bitch, you know? Um, other things, I mean, I... I like those are the jokes I like, or the kind of the situations I like. Like this very mundane, like stuff. Um, and like doesn't make sense because we just from what I remember from Daredevil, like you know, it's his vigilante identity, and it's very dark, and he's very serious. But <laughs> he, would he actually be walking down a random neighborhood and saying hi to people? No. Yeah. Is no. it funny? Yes. Yeah. Do I like it? Yes. Do I want to see more of that? Yes. Like, <laughs> like what does it look like when? Um, she Hulk has to, you know, go. I don't know, like get a like a mammogram or something, and like the stress causes her to just like change and break the machine every time. <laughs> I don't know, like I'm just I I would like to see more of that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 
we're going to get into gynecology season two. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's there's a certain vibe that this show is going for, which is the like superheroes are normal people too vibe, which mm-hmm. I think we needed to kind of break up the self-serious nature of like every other MCU yeah. TV it, show and property. Right? Well, well, in the very first episode, they're like, oh, you could be an Avenger. She's like, I don't want to be an Avenger. Like, do they yep. even get paid? Like, yep. yep. like, like the government, I have to do what the government tells me to. Yes. I love that uh, she called Bruce out saying, you're just a government contractor. Well, yes. Which is also really funny because she started off as a DA. And, you know, I feel like at this point, the conversation is like, DA just cops and suits. Um, but I was like, Oh, like, I'm glad you're no longer a DA and now you're kind of like in a defense attorney mm-hmm. for like criminals. That's kind of an interesting little hiccup. <laughs> it's very, um, there was that like very ill lived one episode, that Catherine Heigl drama. Yeah. Do you remember that, Han? Yeah. What was it? Uh, was it We the People or something like that? <laughs> no. Wait. It wasn't that bad. I, I enjoyed the first episode. I watched the pilot on CBS. They literally canceled it after one episode. I mean, it was such a bold move to kind of portray her as someone who is more mercenary, right? Like she takes a job as a corporate lawyer because she needs the money. Even And so like, even though it's like you're working for the worst people, you're working for the man and the people that are like, I don't know, like representing the people polluting our but like also she you know and i do agree it was like you know this is another thing we to think about like do like major monster war criminals get due process like even if they have been like caught on camera like trying to commit like worldwide mass genocide who tries them that is the one thing i find a little ridiculous like (laughs) they would not be tried in a court of law in like a los angeles district court this should be done in some kind of like geneva convention um but you know i do like the fact that the show is set in la yeah. <laughs> like, do you have to read a criminal who's trying to, like, take down a Avengers helicopter spaceship? There are Miranda rights. Mm, whose, jurisdiction, whose jurisdiction is that? Exactly. And and I don't know that much about, like, I'm not a lawyer, but I did kind of get a kick every time it got a little legally. Like, they're like, well, mm-hmm. you know, trademark is first come, first serve. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Can we it's also, also who first used it and when? Yes. Yeah. Like it. Th- this show if actually. If this was the UK, she would have lost that case. Yeah. <laughs> like this show actually, even though it wasn't a super deep legal show, it actually did present certain legal things. You know, like yeah, like conf- like yeah. You know, conflict of interest comes up several times. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Even though they, they just kind of nod it and like, oh well, you got to do it anyway. But you know, at least they mentioned it. Uh, yeah. So. Here, here's the thing. Even though we slightly mentioned it, but what did everyone think of uh, all of the Megan the Stallion stuff, including the music? Yeah, I am not down with <laughs> current music, so I have no idea what her songs are. I had, um, you know, the biggest atrocity is that <laughs> someone on Twitter was like, "The biggest atrocity is like she's clapping the cheeks, and why isn't her butt like making sonic claps?" <laughs> Like just go there, right? Maybe that was too bold for Disney. Maybe, maybe they um, had to draw a line. It, it it did seem maybe a little out of left field, mm-hmm. but also like I feel like that was very delightful because I like Megan the Stallion. So even if it doesn't make that much sense to me, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, it makes sense in terms of Jessica Gal- Jessica Gal wanted Megan the Stallion in her show, and she and said yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's like you know the. You know, it is maybe 
Also, maybe because this is about like a working woman in her 30s in like Los Angeles. I'm like, oh, this soundtrack is like what I listen to. Yeah. <laughs> that scene where she starts off the day with Haim. Like, that's what I do every day. It, I love Haim. For, yeah. For me, it, like same with the illustrations at the end and also the stuff. I felt like the soundtrack just added to the overall fun vibe. Uh, you know, I don't want to talk about like girl power vibe, but kind of. <laughs> and uh yeah i don't know it just made me so happy even listening to like credits and even when a lot of them didn't have extra scenes in the credits which i was totally fine with um it still kept me watching yeah all right so final verdict on she hulk is this good pop yes um and think just generally it's it's a fun easy light watch and I like overall what hopefully it will push Marvel to do more of because it shows that you can kind of take weirder artistic swings with your properties and people are still on board. Yes, for all the reasons that we've raved about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is also good pop um, as someone who has burnt out on Marvel stuff in the last few years. This was delightful. It was the vibes were good. The tone was good. Um, the jokes were good. It was just a fun show to watch, which is not something that I've said about Marvel mm-hmm. recently, especially Marvel TV shows. Right. <laughs> Remember when TV was fun? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them I've been watching out of obligation. They've been kind of a slog. And then I realized I didn't watch the finale. That's what's been for the last few for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. See, Marvel, when you try to do something different, it works out for you. When you hire the job, Robot Kevin. Yeah. (laughs) Robot Kevin, you hired the right person this time. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for a discussion of She-Hulk, attorney at law. Um, Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at Just You Tweets. And I am at Anonymous. You can find me on Twitter at Marvin You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Um, check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that's our show. Um, I'm going to go back to um, being newly married, I guess. Um, Jess, it is now your turn. Congr- okay, okay take notes. Let me know. <laughs> Uh, what you know the do's and don'ts <laughs> and and we'll celebrate when you get back marvin yeah uh we'll be back next week hopefully we'll see um with this month's edition of do we want this but until then um i guess we'll see you later bye everybody bye, bye. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba. 
just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app. 